Welcome to this week's edition of Dugout Dish Podcast. I'm Andy Kiriakides, joined by my co-host, Keith Glasser. Keith, how we doing? Great, how are you? Good, fired up to be back. We've got a special edition this week as we received some good questions from someone who goes by the Hit Brigade on the old Instagram. So we're going to tackle some of the stuff that he requested we touch on um, today. So... Basically, what we're going to try to hit today, and here's how the question came through, was what are the best venues to gain traction with coaches, specifically focused on national tournaments, team camps, prospect camps on campus, independent showcases, highlight the differences between Division One and Division Three scene, specifically around the timing for Division One recruits versus Division Three, and when is it the right time versus too early or too late? To get exposure, so we got quite a few things to top to, to cover here. Um, where do you want to start, Coach? Um, let's start from the top. I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack here, but if we start at the top with what is it? The best venues to gain traction? Yeah, I guess we'll go we'll go through one through four here. So, I mean, I would say. The national tournaments is one that always comes up. Like the big one that everybody talks about is Georgia, WWBA, or whether it's, you know, the PBR event that the, that they hold down there as well. Those are the two big ones that seem to pop up. And then you've got Hoover, which is another big national tournament. And my response to that, and I'll be curious to hear your response, Keith, because I recruited down at those events, but I also didn't recruit at those events, depending on where I was and where we were in the recruiting cycle. So for me, the national tournaments, it really comes down to what coaches are going to be there, right? If you're a 2024 and you're going down to Georgia and you're not a division one guy, you got to know that most of the division three schools that are in that direct region probably aren't going to be down there. But if you're a legitimate division one player and you're getting traction from schools, while I think that it's become a little less popular for the, we'll call it the 2024 class, coaches are still gravitating down to that event. It's a chance for them to cross-check on guys. It's a chance for them to see them against better competition. Um, so it's still a worthwhile event. Now, how much say you have in that, depending on what organization you're in, that's probably a bigger question. But that would be my like high-level response to the national tournament scene. What are your thoughts on that? The, I mean, for, for me, when I was in division three coaching, you know, it wasn't really a thing for us to go recruit. Um, and not for any reason other than, um, you know, it was going to cost a a lot of money for us to be able to go do that. You know, depending on what the size of your recruiting budget is, um, you know, you going down to Georgia can, can get expensive pretty quickly, depending on how long you want to stay for. <clears throat> um, the flip side to it is, you know, I know for division three at the least, and I, I'll speak to that because that's where, you know, the, the majority of my, you know, recency has come from, you know, you're really only recruiting senior year to senior year. So, you, you know, you're not really 
you know, you're, you're taking notes on sophomores and juniors that you're eventually going to probably try to follow up with, but you know, you're really getting after just the, the junior class that's, that are rising seniors, you know, so you'd only be going to one week. Um, you know, and I always found it, at least for me, the, the Boston open and Boston invite were, were the, usually like the 17 U week, I think, or 16 U week, whatever. Um, and it was just easier to get over to the Boston open. And I thought it was a really good tournament. Um, and we got a lot of guys out of it. We, you know, we recruited that portion of the country. Well, um, you know, so I, I think that, you know, everyone wants to to go to these tournaments and, and I get the allure because there's been so many, you know, really good players that have gone there and, you know, it's, it's kind of been ingrained in people over probably the last decade or so that, you know, you got to go to Georgia to get seen like, you know, I, 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 I disagree to an extent, you know, like there's going to be guys down there, but you know, it's, you're, you're better off, you know, probably finding somewhere closer where there's going to be more coaches um, at, you know, and I think the way that things are going recruiting wise, it's probably going to change even more. You know, I I think that, you know, there's a lot of division one and the high end division one guys are, you know, they're sitting on college games, Um, college summer league games, not, you know, you know, they're doing that stuff in the summer. I, I don't know how much, you know, I think it's going to change a decent amount, but you know, I, it's still worth it from the standpoint of like, if you're going down to play good competition and you're, you're looking to get better and you know, you're going for a week, like, you know, I, I think it's, there's, there's, there's some worthwhileness to it. Um, you know, but I, I think ultimately it depends on like, you know, where, where you're from and where do you want to go to school? You know, because if you want to go to school in the Northeast or new England, you know, maybe, the Boston open or something like that is a, a better event for you to go to. Um, and, you know, but I, I never, I didn't recruit them when, you know, when I was at RPI um, just because like I said, uh, you know, the cost and, you know, it, it just wasn't really worth it for me, even my bang for my buck. Yeah. And I would agree. I mean, I think to your point, timing matters, right? Like if there's a better opportunity for you somewhere else, you gotta, you gotta really have that, kind of that honest conversation about where do I fit in this whole thing, right? If you're a legitimate division one player and you've got some interest from some schools and they're going to be down there and they got a chance to kind of get a final evaluation or get a chance to see you, then yeah, it's probably worth going down. To your point, I saw it from both sides. Like when I was at William and Mary, we would go down to Georgia because we needed to either finish our evaluation on players that we were recruiting, see guys that we hadn't seen yet, or we were trying to get a jump on the next year's class. So we usually spanned over the 16A and 17U. But now when I was at Vassar, we never went down to Georgia because it wasn't worth it wasn't worth the time or the effort to go down there when I could drive to Diamond Nation or drive to the New England baseball complex, go see likely the same teams, slightly different time, but you're probably gonna see the same teams, you're gonna see the same players. And that's where we fit. So if you're a 2025 right now, or you know, you're a 26 going into next year, and you got a chance to go down and play in Georgia, go enjoy it, like experience that. But if you're somebody who's getting down to crunch time and you need to make sure you're in front of the schools who are actually gonna recruit you, you need to you need to have an honest conversation about what's best for me. And we had that with a couple of the guys that we work with where we said, Hey, listen. I know Hoover would be fun, but you need to be in Boston this weekend 
because all the schools that like you or all the schools that you're interested in are going to be in Boston. So we need to get there. And it was fruitful for them. Right. Because they were there. They were in a location where teams that were recruiting them or were interested in seeing them were actually going to be. So as far as the national tournaments go, yeah, they're fun. Some of them are super competitive. Some of them are very much pay for play. But you got to really just have an honest conversation about where you are in the recruiting process and are the schools that are going to be recruiting you or or be of interest to you actually going to be there evaluating you. Because if they're not and you're going to go, you just got to recognize the fact that you're going down there simply to compete, not really to get recruited. Right. And I, you know, I think it's hard in some instances because you, you don't know who's going to be there. But, you know, that's on the front end, you got to do the due diligence of reaching out to people. And, you know, if you tell a bunch of people that you're going to be in Georgia and they all tell you that they're not going to be there, like, you know, you're not going to get seen by any of them if you're going down there to play. You know, so that's you just have to know that that's you know, part of, you know, the cost of doing business. If, if that's what you want to do and that's what you're going <clears> to <throat> sign up and, and, and move on, then, you know, if you reach out to a bunch of people and they don't see a play, like that's just, it is what it is at that point. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing I'll add on this is if you get invited to one of the events down there, you get invited to the PBR futures games or something, go mm-hmm. like that event the farther we get away from the contact period change that happened recently, the more important that event is going to be for underclassmen. Because once you get past the 26 class, and I would even say that the 26 event's going to be ultra competitive because there's not as many 26s committed as there are 25s going into the event this year. But moving forward, if that contact rule stays in place, that is going to be the premier event for uncommitted kids who have attended a PBR event at some point in time, period. So that's probably going to be one of the most heavily covered events in the country because everybody's going there. Everybody on the field is is essentially free game, and you're going to get a chance to evaluate really good players against really good competition. That's likely going to be almost exclusively Division One teams, and we'll touch on this because one of the questions is the timing. But, you know, for futures games, 2025s, 26s, you know, that's it's pretty much just Division One teams. Are there some Division Two, Division Three teams that might go to that? Maybe. But they're probably, probably not going to be all that fruitful for them because if they're at that event and they're uncommitted, they're probably one of the better players, which means that their timeline is going to be expedited, which means they're probably going to be off the table before, you know, the division two and division three cycle kind of rolls around. Right. You should go to the futures games. Nailed it. As far as team camps, and this is, this is a little bit of a newer layer to the recruiting circuit in recent years. It certainly wasn't a big thing five or six years ago, but it seems to be increasingly popular with schools where, I was at one uh, with Delaware and I uh, actually, I thought it was awesome is that they get four to six teams. It's usually not any bigger than that onto a campus. They run a pro style workout 
and then they do pregame work, BP, and then they play games over typically a two-day period. They're usually invite in terms of the teams get invited. But if you have an opportunity to go to one of these camps, similar to the prospect camps that are on campus, like the, the, the one that I went to at Delaware, which they did an awesome job. I thought it was a really good event. There was 10 other college coaches there. Some of them Division One, Division Two, Division Three, junior college. Like there was a wide array of schools. So if you get a chance to go to one of those, especially if it's going to be a campus or a school that you're interested in, I think it's kind of the it's like the most bang for your buck. You get a bunch of other coaches there. You're going to play a, a game setting, so you get a chance to actually play the game, and you get the workout, and you get to see a facility, and you get to see a campus. Uh, if you have that opportunity, I would take advantage of it 100%. You just got to know where you're getting into. Like if you're going to Virginia's team camp and you're not a kid who can play at Virginia, you want to make sure that there's going to be other schools there that are of interest to you. Like that was one of the things I thought Delaware did really well is that it was a really diverse mix of coaches. There were some academic division ones, there were some academic division threes and everything in between. And so, you know, the four teams who were at that event, got exposure to a pretty diverse group of coaches. And yeah, I think that's what you're really looking for is making sure that you have an opportunity to showcase yourself in front of schools that are of interest to you. Yeah. I love the team camp. Um, the, uh, I, I don't, I don't know this. Um, and this could, this could be um, fake news if I'm, I'm wrong on this, but one of the, the, the earliest ones that I can remember was at Fordham run by coach Tatoma, who, you know, essentially had a run down to a science, um, you know, but I, I, I was working their camps in, I want to say like 2015, 2016, like it was a, it's been a while. Um, you know, but I love them. Like they did a great job at Fordham. Um, and, and I know a lot of people do them now where like, you know, there were 10, 11, 12 schools at, at the team camp, which, you know, obviously is a selling point for, um, you know, the teams that are coming there that you have a, a, a plethora of coaches there that are, you know, legitimately there to work and, and watch you play and umpire and do all those things. Um, you know, but it gives the, the coaches kind of an up close and personal view of, you know, what, how you go about your business, what you look like on the field and, and things like that. So it's, it's a really good setting. Um, you know, the one thing I will say is it's, you know, it's a little less competitive, obviously from a like you know game intensity standpoint doesn't mean that people aren't trying to win and do stuff but like you know the college coaches are umpiring and you know usually it's behind home or behind uh the mound you know so it's a little less um you know official from that standpoint but you still get to play you still get to compete um you know you get to be in front of a lot of coaches that you um you know might not otherwise be able to get in front of but you know you're going to have their undivided attention on those two or three days um while you're at that camp so you know, if nothing else, you're going to have a good look from, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 coaches, you know, from a pro style workout, from games, from live ABs, from um, pitches, whatever it is, like you're going to have eyes on you the entire time. So, you know, bang for your buck there is probably, you know, a, a little bit better than some of the tournaments you might go to. Yeah, I think there's a level of comfort that comes with that as well because you're usually playing with guys that you show up and you play with and you've been around. So it's like a little bit more of a natural setting for guys. Like we'll get into this, but like 
the independent showcases like the head first and the show balls and different stuff like that where they put you on teams and you go play well it's a little bit different if you're a shortstop and you know your second baseman like there's a level of comfort there right if you're a pitcher and you're throwing to a guy who's caught you all summer there's a little bit more comfort there i think it's easier for kids to perform in that setting um and they still are competing within kind of the guidelines of a team while also you know getting showcased to to coaches so it's kind of somewhere in between that prospect camp and the tournament but you know if you're if you're a part of an organization that actively tries to set these things up and go to these team camps and they're the right types of settings i think they're i think they're great um something that that people should certainly take advantage of which leads us into probably one of my favorite venues and i think the the nuance here is making sure that you're targeting the right places to go from an academic and an athletic perspective. But the on-campus prospect camps, I think, for the money that they usually cost, you know, they're usually only, you know, somewhere between like usually 150 and 250 bucks. You're going to get that campus tour. You're going to get a chance to meet the coaches. You're going to get a chance to get the pro-style workout. You're probably going to run through some layer of a practice component that coaches coaches deal with and smaller environment and if you're doing it right and you're targeting schools that are a fit for you or at least somewhere in the ballpark of where you fit from an academic and a baseball perspective there's usually a lot of other coaches that attend those and I think the one I always use is the the Ivy League camps like if you're a really high academic kid and you're striving to be an Ivy League player those on-campus camps are great because they're usually going to have all the best academic division three schools work in the camp. So you're going to get exposure to not only a school that you may really want to go to, but also a school that might fit academically or athletically. And I don't, I don't think it's any different when you're looking at other schools, you just got to make sure like if you're going to go to somebody's camp, that's got to be in the realm of possibility, either from an academic or an athletic perspective, because the, the group of coaches who are going to be there are going to fit similarly in some way, shape or form. I love the on-campus camp. <laughs> you know, it's for everything you just listed, you know, and then some, you know, you're, you're going to actually be able to get a feel for the coaching staff uh, of the school that um, is running the camp, which is likely one of the main reasons you're there, right? Like if you're going to that on-campus camp, like generally speaking, you're going to be fairly interested in that school. Um, you know, but you can also get seen by a bunch of other coaches. The other is you actually, you know, uh, the on-campus camp, there is generally going to be some teach, um, some teaching going on as well. So, you know, you have the opportunity to learn from, you know, some of the, the better coaches in, in the, in college baseball, depending on the, the type of camp you're at or where you're at. Um, you know, so it, it's, you know, I, I think from a coaching standpoint, it, it's always, you know, I always enjoyed doing the teaching side of things. One, obviously, because we coach and that's what we like to do. But, um, you know, it kind of gives you a feel for the, where the kid is at, like his aptitude to, to, to learning and, you know, how receptive is he to coaching, things like that. You know, so it's there's a little bit more that you can go into it when you're actually working these camps um, from a coaching standpoint. But from a kid's standpoint, you can't beat it. You know, they are some of the, you know, usually on the on the cheaper side um, compared to, you know, the, the private sector 
Um, you know, but sometimes, you know, even if they are a, a tad bit expensive, it's because they're, you know, they're paying other college coaches to be there. And that's what that money is going to as well. You know, so you're going to more or less, you know, kind of like team camp, like you're kind of guaranteeing yourself seven, eight, nine, ten 10 coaches at certain events, um, for on-campus camps. You know, I, for me, I always worked Columbia camp. I worked Brown camp. Um, you know, I, I worked a handful of other ones, um, throughout the course of my career, but you know, the, the on-campus camp where they were, they were staples, especially in the high-end academic world with the Ivy league schools, like they're staples in your recruiting schedule. You're just going to pencil them in and, and put things around there because you're going to be able to see a lot of high-end academic kids that you know are competitive from an admission standpoint almost instantly, you know, because let's face it, like you're not showing up to Columbia without, you know, having competitive enough grades in that admissions process. And if you're going to be competitive in that admissions process, you'd be competitive at other schools too. So, you know, it's, it's a no brainer for, um, for college coaches to be able to go to, but also kids to, you know, take advantage of, of the, the opportunity to be able to get on the field in front of all those coaches. Yeah, they're definitely a staple. I mean, we, at both levels, at William and Mary and Vassar, like at Vassar, we, the Ivy League camps were probably the best camps for us from a recruiting perspective because you get that one-on-one -on -one contact with a kid. You get to know them. You get a feel for them. You know they're there because academics are important. But we did it at William & Mary, too. Like, we used to go down to Wake's camp and Duke's camp because, I mean, to be honest, like, you know, Wake's not losing a kid to William & Mary if they really want him. So we're not a threat to them. But if we can get the kid that's third on Wake's list, like, probably going to be pretty good. Same thing with Duke. and. You know, those were good events um, that, that we identified players at. And then we used to run them at William & Mary and have, have coaches from all over the region come down and, and work those camps. And, you know, not only did we recruit out of them at William & Mary, but, you know, there was plenty of kids who weren't necessarily a fit for us that ended up getting recruited because of the, the mix of schools that were there, gave them an opportunity to showcase themselves in that setting. So I think I'm a big fan, but I think it, for me, it just comes down to being smart about where you're going and making sure that, you know, somebody's giving you good information about the reasoning as to why you go down to a camp like that. Yeah, I, I want to add to like, I'm not um, I'm not sure how many Division two and Division three um, schools will have multiple schools out there on campus camp. Um you know, there, there, there's probably a handful of division twos that will have some local division threes at theirs. Um, and I don't know how many division threes, like I never had other schools at RPI's prospect camp, but that was just because we kept our numbers small. And, you know, I was more interested in getting people on campus that wanted to go to RPI and guys that I was interested in getting to campus. So, um, you know, it, it's, that's the, the other side of it. Well, yes, they are great that you can have multiple coaching staffs. Like you should do your, research and just ask like are there going to be other coaches there or is it just this staff um but it, i would generally say that this is a very blanket statement that division one will have multiple staffs division two maybe depends on the school division three is likely just going to be like that school so blanket statement no i think that that's not only is it valid but i think it's something you want to be you want to be cognizant of um but yeah i mean i think the general consensus here is that if done right, they can be really fruitful. Um, the last one is kind of the independent showcase piece, which is, you know, you're going to be 
you know, head first, show ball, I-95. I mean, there's best in the U.S. Like, a lot of organizations do it. They all do it a little bit differently. For me, the two biggest things about this are timing and school selection again, right? Like, head first and show ball have kind of their own niche in the academic world. So if you're an academic kid, those are great opportunities to get in front of a boatload of academic schools, right? And we we both worked them. They absolutely get recruited. I think they're heavily used by Division three programs, um, and they're definitely used by a lot of the Division one academics to either identify a kid early that you want to, you know, continue to recruit or – you know, maybe the final evaluation on a kid or, you know, somebody might pick up late in a recruiting class, something like that. So those niches, I think, are really valuable to know about. If you're an academic kid, those are two, you know, two places to get in front of, you know, 50, 60 coaches at a time. Um, and then you have kind of like the wider ranging independent showcases like I-95 or Best in the U.S. where they're going to have a little bit more of a diverse coaching mix. And I think the big thing to look at there is, are the schools that are going to be there ones that you're interested in, ones that you have an opportunity to potentially play for? Uh, and obviously we've harped on that with a couple different things, but you know, you don't want to waste your money going to an event with a bunch of schools that you don't have any interest in because you're just paying money to you know, run a 60-yard dash and take some BP and maybe play a game. Um, but if there's a list of coaches there that are – of interest to you, then yeah, absolutely. It's a great way to get there because those coaches can't be everywhere. It's a great way to guarantee that you get in front of some schools that are, that you're interested in. Yeah. The, um, the, the private sector here, um, is, is probably the hardest one to navigate, right? Like there's, there's so many events that you can go to, um, in the course of the summer from a baseball standpoint, whether it's tournaments, showcases, camps, everything. Um, but I, I think, and we can't drive this point home anymore, but you need to know who's going to be there and if it's going to be worth it for you from two standpoints, one from are there coaches there that are, you have interest in um, and what. Like, are you actually prepped to go do this camp showcase, whatever it is? Because a lot of these things are run year round, right? Like, I mean, there's, there's a decent amount that are going to be run, you know, the head first, the show balls, you know, they're, they're running things in the summer, spring, summer, fall. Um, you know, but there's some events that are going to be run in, you know, they run them in January and February. Like I, I, I've said this, I think on an earlier podcast, I, I stopped going to the ones in January and February. I'm watching kids in upstate New York throw, you know, max effort um, when they don't actually like tryouts for high school isn't until mid-March and they don't play a game until April and it's January and they're ramped up and it's, you know, where we wonder why, you know, kids get eventually, you know, I'm generalizing here. Um, but if you're not ready to go do those types of events, like you shouldn't go because it's only going to hurt you and be to your detriment because you're going to go in and not be the best version of yourself and not put a good foot forward. And you're just going to get crossed off of a list. Um, you know, so it, the understanding the timing behind it of like, Hey, you should probably be in pretty good shape and, you know, at least in baseball shape and go to these events, whether it's going to be in the summer or the fall, um, you know, versus the winter, especially if you're a multiple sport athlete, you know, if you're playing hoops, like, you know, 
probably shouldn't go to a showcase when you haven't done anything baseball wise in three, four months. Um, you know, so it, knowing the timing of it and being in the best shape, you know, it, I don't want to continually say the best shape, but being in baseball shape to go showcase your abilities at these events is critical, but also knowing, you know, who's going to be there and is it going to be worth your time? You know, if you're not a high-end academic kid, like then headfirst and showball probably are not for, not probably, they're not for you because they're exclusively recruited by high-end academic schools. If you have no interest in going to them, then don't spend the money. Go to a different event that has, um, you know, target the schools that you are looking for, you're interested in, and find out where they're going. Go to their on-campus camp, stuff like that, you know. So I think that, you know, I, there, there's, there's a lot of good to them, um, you know, but I also think that, you know, if you're going to spend that amount of money, you know, you're going to want to know what you're getting out of it too, you know. So that's, that's the other piece of it, you know, is it, are you going to get all your metrics? Are you going to get all your data? Are you going to get all those things? Um, are people paying attention? Um, you know, if you're at an event that is 16 hours long, like find anybody who can lock in for 16 hours and tell me that they, they, you know, no matter what you do in your life, 16 hours is a long time to lock in and watch baseball, you know? So it's, it's stuff like that too, right? Like, you know, you're going to want to make sure that you're, you, you, you know, you can't do anything about that. That's out of your control. Um, you know, but there, there's probably other events that are out there that you can go to where there's a little bit of a shorter attention span for people and you're, you're, you're going to get seen a little bit better. Yeah. I think the timing piece is huge, right? The timing of the year, which you hit on, you need to be ready from a health perspective. Like you need to do what's best for you from a health perspective. You also got to understand that if you're a 24 or 25, whatever year it is, it doesn't really matter. Like in the off season, if you think you're a division one player and you're going to go showcase yourself at an event in January, like they're not going to be there. It's just that simple. Like there's no, well, maybe you're not like they won't, they can't be. So, you know, did you, you know, shorten your throwing period because you wanted to go get some numbers up on, you know, PBR perfect game. Like if you're doing it for that reason, I don't agree with it, but at least at least you're doing it for that. But don't go there thinking you're getting recruited, right? Like that's a big misconception, and you you don't need that to get recruited. You need to perform when coaches are actually evaluating you. The other thing, and you know, some people will probably get upset that I say this, but if you're a 26, you don't need to go to an independent showcase, in my opinion. Like you'd be better off shooting your shot with your favorite school and going to their on-campus camp and maybe getting something from a development perspective out of it. But you used to see this at Head First where you'd see freshmen in high school going to a Head First event and none of those schools are recruiting kids that young. So you're, you know, you just spend a thousand dollars to go through a workout when nobody's really going to pay attention to you. Um, so, I mean, that's just, for me, that's kind of the truth of it. Like you need to be good enough to showcase yourself first and foremost, right? And you have to, that's where the honesty of the evaluation comes in is that somebody needs to be able to tell you, Hey, you should go to an event like this because it'll be worth your while. 
or somebody needs to tell you, hey, man, you need to throw harder or you need to run faster. You need to get stronger before it's worth you showcasing yourself. Otherwise, you're just flushing money down the toilet that could be used to help develop your son to maybe do a more targeted, you know, for the money you spend on some of these independent camps, you know, you might be able to do three targeted on campus camps and might get you a lot more out of it um, from a developmental perspective. So, you know, once again, I guess it comes down to timing and, and really having an understanding of where you fit. Yeah. It's twofold. The, the, the rules piece that you touched on, you know, especially from a division one standpoint, they're dead. They're in a dead period. Like if you're trying to go to a showcase in January and there's no division one school, it's going to be there. And if that's your goal, well, you just, you know, give me your money. Um, the second is, and, and I agree, I don't think that, you know, the, the, the younger, the 26s and 27s, you know, I'll, I'll give you, um, you got a, we have a peanut gallery here tonight in the Glasser household and the better coach Glasser uh, shook her head in agreement with you. Um, when you said that you should spend more time on development when you're younger and not really ready, because it, you're right, you're just, you're, you're throwing money away at some of these camps for, you know, in, you know, like Brianna said, it's a superficial evaluation, but it's also like, you know, if I see that you need to get bigger, faster, stronger, like I'm just going to write in my notes, like see next year, if he gets bigger, faster, and stronger, like if your skill set looks like it can play like awesome, but you know, I, one from an academic standpoint, like coaches need to know where your grades are at and what you have. And then two, you know, it, it, it's, if you're so far off from a, a, a physicality standpoint, like, you know, we're going to see what the next, 12 months brings to see you again, which would probably be, it would behoove you to wait the 12 months, get in the weight room, be bigger, fast, stronger, do some other stuff. And like you said, be targeted in some of your camps and go from there. Like you don't have to showcase when you're a sophomore in high school. I do think there is a little bit of value, you know, in doing it, but I think that you're, you're, the value would be in going to an on-campus camp where there's going to be a handful of other coaches where you can see what it's like to go through a pro style workout and, you know, meet a bunch of kids that you've never played with before, like for a lot less money, a lot less um, pressure, but also, you know, from a developmental standpoint, you're going to get more out of that because you're actually going to be coached and talked to about things during your time on that college campus camp than you would be in some of the other private sector stuff. Spot on. As far as timing from division one, division two, division three, like we get asked this and I think division one spans a whole spectrum, right? And obviously the new contact rule changes things, right? Like 2025s can't get talked to until August 1st. So a week from today, I guess. Um, so that changes things in terms of how quickly things are going to unravel. But the, the top players are likely going to end up being committed in you know August, early September. It's going to be interesting to see how that all, all unravels and how quickly stuff starts to happen and what red flags pop up. Everybody's curious as to what the heck's going to happen come August 1st. But in general, Division One, frame it up as a 2024, Division One schools are still recruiting. A lot of them are still recruiting. Even at the highest levels, they're still recruiting. They're still trying to find maybe a walk-on guy or they got a little bit of scholarship money that you're trying to find a guy to finish their class. 
but you start getting to the mid major and the lower the lower end of division one baseball a lot of these schools are still you know they're still looking for four or five more guys so if you're a high school player and you're worried about when you get recruited don't think that you can't be a division one player and get recruited in august or september going into your senior year because that's that can absolutely happen it just depends on where you fit and what kind of schools you're targeting but you know, talk to however many schools in the last couple of weeks that are still looking for 24s they're still looking for arms they're still looking for an infielder they're still looking for an outfielder or a catcher um so that timeline extends from august 1st of your junior year going into your junior year and it's going to go all the way into september and october of your of your senior year right i think that that's kind of what we're looking at moving into the future division three is going to be different right like you don't really heat up division three until may june july august going into october november i mean that's would you say that's a pretty pretty accurate statement I mean, you. I would say that you're likely, you know, you're you're going to be following all the local and, and guys that maybe are in a, a a relatively short diving driving distance that you saw last fall or the summer before that are now going to be juniors that you might want to follow up on and see if you could see them, um, you know, during the the high school year. But I think the one thing that, you know, when, when we start talking timelines and such too, like. The, the, there's not a lot of, I mean, I don't know how to say this correctly. There is recruiting going on in March, April, and May. And like the higher end guy, the higher end schools and programs have guys out a lot. Um, but the vast majority of college baseball, like, yeah, they're recruiting and, and trying to see some local games, but they're not really doing a lot of traveling during their season because they're playing at the same time you are, you know, so there, there's going to be, you know, it's not going to be until after the, the college season's, wrap up that they really get out to watch and get to the distance of, of uh, away from campus to watch those games, you know, but division three, you're right. It's going to be May, June, July. And then you, you're going to bookend it in August with uh, the, you know, especially if you're a higher end academic school, you're going to end up at, you know, the, all the academic stuff that's in mid to late August. And then, you know, you kind of roll into the fall, uh, kids come back on campus. You'll start having kids on campus, putting offers out and, seeing who you can get. Um, you know, I've been pretty close to being done with my recruiting class in, you know, late December, January, depending on whether or not people go early decision or regular decision. I've also, you know, had to sweat it out until May 1st with, with people who went regular decision, you know, so it, it could end up taking as a coach, it could end up taking a, a pretty lengthy period of time to kind of finalize that recruiting class. But, you know, I, I would say for, you know, division one, it's a lot longer, you know, we've touched on the new rule change, like that's going to change a lot of this stuff significantly from a timing standpoint. Um, you know, but division two is probably, you know, they're a, a step below the division ones from a recruiting standpoint, right? Like they can reach out to you a little bit sooner, but you know, that I don't think they're really, you know, out there on mass offering sophomores and juniors. You know, and see, Division Three is just really you're going senior year to senior year. You're not, you're not offering juniors. Uh, I mean, you might do it because it's somebody you know, but 
you're not really you're not going to do that by and large. You're you'll start talking to them, but you're not recruiting them and, and trying to get them to campus right away. You're trying to complete that senior year class. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot at the Division three level, a lot of it you have to wait for other pieces to fall, you know, because a lot of the kids that you really like are going to be on that fringe at the Division one level. So they're going to have to get told no a bunch before they're going to get really serious about you know, whether you're going to be a fit or not, right? So, you know, you don't see a lot of Division three schools getting commitments from kids in April of their junior year of high school. It's just not I, – I don't know if I've ever seen it, but it's definitely, it's definitely not the norm. You know, most of that stuff's going to start to trickle down in, like, July. You know, and I know the NESCAC, they can't even read a transcript anymore until August 1st. So that slowed things down with them. So those like official, you know, verbal commitments that come from the NESCAC schools, they can't get that official academic read until August 1st anyway. So that slowed things down even more for them where, you know, previously, you know, from a high academic perspective, they they went a little bit earlier than other schools because they're, you know, really desirable from an academic perspective. So, but yeah, I mean, Division One, August 1st until... You know, that September, October, your senior year is probably a reasonable timeline. And, yeah, the better guys are going to go early, but guys pop at different rates. Guys develop at different rates. So there's there's guys flowing around right now that are that are legit players that are still uncommitted. So, you know, if you're a guy who thinks you're a Division One player or desires to play Division One, like don't think that, that that window has closed because a bunch of other guys have committed. Um, you know, and if you're – Somebody who's more of a Division three player, like the process is probably going to take a little bit longer. You're probably going to go into that September, October range. And to your point, Keith, sometimes sometimes as a coach, you sweat it out until May when you get your regular decision stuff back and you're hoping a guy ends up choosing you. So um, the last question we got from the hit brigade was, when is the right time, too early versus too late? And I think we've probably hit on this a little bit, but – I don't know if there's a right time. I don't think you can be too late, but I think you could definitely be too early. And I think early is really just going to come down to where do you fit in this whole thing? You know, this whole recruiting rigmarole. You know, if you're you know, if you're 75 to 78 going into your senior year, yeah, you probably don't need to spend a ton of time going out and showcasing yourself at events. You probably just need to focus on getting better so you can get to that 80 to 82 or 81 to 84 in the spring and become a more recruitable player. Like that's my thought on it. It's like you need to be recruitable in order to get recruited. You don't just get recruited because you want to get recruited. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Oh, be um, great. But no, I, I, I agree. There's no, you know, I don't think there's ever really a, a, a too late. Um, you know, it's going to depend on obviously where you are in your development and where the school that is recruiting you is in their process, um, which I think is, you know, it's, it's different at each school where like, and program with where they're, they are from their recruiting standpoint. Um, you know, but, you know, with the new rule, I don't know if you can ever really be too early. Um, I think the good thing that you can do in, one, you have to understand that everyone's timeline is completely different. But two, like take the time to go to visit colleges. You know, like I, you can't really, you know, you can't sit down with college coaches at the Division One level 
on unofficial visits, but you know, nothing's precluding you from going to info sessions and tours at colleges just to see if, you know, you like the school and it's a fit, you know? So I think you can start to get a feel for what the academic and what the social life at schools are like, and then start to figure out whether or not baseball is going to fit into that um, from an academic standpoint for you, you know, and, and that could, you know, that might take a little bit longer, but at least if you start visiting schools and, you know, I know division three, you know, I used to get emails all the time about kids that were, um, you know, coming to visit schools. Sometimes I had the opportunity to meet with people. Sometimes I didn't, you know, college coaches are busy guys. They're out recruiting. They got families too. Um, you know, but it's, if you're going to be on campus for a tour and info session, cause you're swinging by on your way to a tournament or whatever, you know, send an email out two or three days in advance. If the coach is around, like you might be able to sit down and answer a handful of questions for you. Um, you know, but that also makes it, you know, a little bit more personal. You get to meet them. They get eyes on at a tournament or, or showcase that you might be attending that they are, that they're going to be at, or you come to camp, you know, and you can get to know them a little bit more. Again, I can't speak for everybody. And, you know, and I, I certainly did not meet with everybody who, who showed up, but um, you know, if I had the opportunity to sit down for a couple minutes and answer some questions for families, I, I always tried to do it, um, you know, but, you know, be a little bit more, um, be proactive in that stuff. Um, but yeah, there's no, I don't think there's any really, you know, I don't think you can be too late. It's just really going to depend on where you are in your development and, and where you are, where you're going to fit into the college baseball landscape for, for programs. And that's where you're going to find yourself kind of a cop out answer. Right. But yeah, 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 no, I get what you're saying though. We're on the same page. That should be more clear. No. Okay. I, I, I think it's, you don't want to be too early. Right. And that's where that honest feedback comes in, where you need to have somebody in your corner that tells you, hey, it's OK that you're not good enough right now. Let's focus on getting better so that when you do go showcase yourself, you make a good first impression. Right? Sure. Sure. You know? And there's there's ranges of that. Right. Like if you're a kid who's looking to pitch at a particular school and you're a 2025 and you're 81 to 84, but somebody has enough foresight to tell you, Hey, you're six foot two, you're lanky. You can spin the ball, like get in front of these guys because then they can track you. Like that's different than showing up and being 73 to 75. And the coach is putting up the radar gun once, probably not even putting up the radar gun. And you go completely anonymous and you spend it on You spent a ton of money to be anonymous. Do you want to feel like you put yourself in a position position to a position? That's a new word. Um, hashtag position slash situation. Um, you want to be in a situation where when you leave camp, you at least feel like you gave them something to notice. Yeah. Like you do something physically, like you can run or you've got a really good arm or you look good in a uniform, or you take a good round of BP, or you throw hard. Like You want to do something. You want to be at a place from a development perspective where you do something that translates to college. And I just say college generally because, you need, like I said, you need to be recruitable first. So um, I do want to circle back to one thing you said, though, because I want to ask you a question. Because um, I know I got these emails, and I know I know you got them too. So if a kid emails you at like 10.30 the day before, like 10.30 at night, the day before they come and visit campus, 
What are the chances you're meeting with them the next day? Uh, likely zero, especially if it's like a Saturday or Sunday in the off season. <laughs> no, I'm not. Those like, are, those are, I, I get like that. That was kind of my point when I said it. Like yeah. college coaches have lives too. Like it's it's like you have things that you do. You have a family. You like. I'm not stopping my entire life to come answer a handful of questions for somebody that I don't necessarily, that I have no idea who you are. And, you know, because you're coming up to visit when I'm going to go spend, you know, I'm scheduled to spend time with my son. Like I'm going to go spend time with my son, not do that. Yeah. You know, I know that, that sounds, you know, people are going to listen to that and be like, well, that's, that doesn't, well, like when else am I supposed to do this? Like you have, you know, from a, a practice standpoint at division three, like you gave away, like you had 20 weekends out of the year where you were like automatically going to be on the field playing baseball. You only get 52 of them. You know, you, you're going to be out there recruiting for another 12, 15 of them. You know, you got to take time for your family and do that stuff too. So, you know, it, I think when it's, you know, if you can be proactive about when you're going to visit, you know, you, you can, you know, it's not to say that everyone is going to be, you know, as accommodating, want to sit down and meet with you, but, you know, if you give people four or five days notice of like, Hey, we're coming up on, you know, Thursday for an information session and tour. If you have, you know, 10 minutes, can I steal 10 minutes of your time just to answer a couple of questions? You know, you'll likely get more answers. Yes. than you will no. And especially when you're emailing people at, you know, 1130 at night that you're coming tomorrow morning for the 9am info session. Like, well, the, the other part of it too, right? And you don't you don't sound like an ass when you say that because here's the analogy. If your boss called you at 11 o'clock at night and told you that you need to come in or they want you to come into work at 8 o'clock in the morning when you're on vacation, you'd be pretty pissed. It's yep. not all that different. It, it's, it's very similar. And if the other thing that it shows is that you're not really taking into consideration other people, right? That tells me that I think the world revolves around me. Like, hey, I'm coming. Sorry I didn't give you more than 12 hours notice, but you need to be there for me, right? So immediately, I think that you're a little bit pompous. And like, it's a pretty bad first impression to make. If you give a coach a couple days notice, hey, coach, you know, coming up to your point, you know, you email them, email them on Monday. Hey coach, I know it's a little short notice, but I'm going to come up and check out, check out campus on Thursday. Is there any chance anybody on you and your staff is going to be around anytime that you have it would be greatly appreciated. Even if I can't be there, I can promise you because you're going to visit campus because you took the time to email me because you were considerate in how you communicated. I'm much more likely to follow up with you. I'm much more likely to try to figure out who you are just a better tone it is you know and i think the other thing too is like there's you know that the, the, there was a handful of people that would man that i can remember where we would be practicing and they would show up and like come right to the fence or try to get on the field and be like hey coach you got a couple minutes of you know to, to answer my questions like i'm in the middle of practice like no i don't have time like I'm doing my job right now. So, you know, if you want to wait until the end of practice and I can see, you know, answer a handful of questions for you, that's fine. But, you know, I, it, it was, that happened like two or three times. And I was like, so floored, uh, just like, 
Hi. No. Well, those, those people, those are the same people that walk away and go, well, that guy wasn't very nice. <laughs> it's like, like, really? Like, talk about setting somebody up for failure. Yeah. Like, you can't, as a coach, you can't win because if you're the coach who steps out of practice, all your players are going to be like, what the hell is he doing? Yeah. Who's this kid? It's different if a kid's on a visit and you're like, Correct. hey, come, come sit in the dugout. I'm going to, I want you to learn how this works. Yes. You know, I want you to get to see. Just you know, show up. Yeah, that's a We're different thing. That was all show up and, and like, and you, like, you should, like, you know, people know this happens last minute, but like, you know, if you are setting up going and, and trying to go to information sessions and tours, like, reach out to the coaching staffs and just say like, Hey, I'm, you know, we're going to be there, you know? And like I said, it's, it's, it's very tough in the summer um, to really kind of nail down guys. And that does, that shouldn't preclude you from going on these, these info sessions and tours that admissions people put on um, at schools. But, you know, just know that during the summer, it's, it's pretty tough to kind of nail down some college coaches because they're out recruiting so much. So don't get discouraged that they're not going to be there. You should still definitely go visit the school and, and see what it's about. So you can start to figure out whether or not you, know, you can go to that place and be like, nope, not a place for me. You know, you can cross it right off your list and you don't even have to worry about meeting with coaches at all because it just like you went and it didn't feel right for you. you know, so you should definitely visit some of those schools as well. Last, last tidbit about the visits. We're getting a touch off topic, but I think it's, it's valid based on what you said. If you're going to visit schools, and I know this is easier said than done because the summertime is when it's easiest to go visit places. But if you can find a way to see campuses when they're actually operating, it is a totally different experience. You could go to a campus where if it's not jumping and you don't have four or 5,000 people buzzing around, you could walk away and be like, eh, you know, kind of yeah. lackluster it's got some cool buildings yada yada like your standard takeaway from an empty college campus the environment that the kids are in is often very different than the layout of the school and i think easier said than done because a lot of times you have to do it during the summer or you're traveling to a tournament like that's better than nothing but if you can find a way to go check out campuses when they're buzzing that'll give you a much better feel for what that school is going to look like Yep. Can, can completely change your complexion of, of what that place is like. Because some yep. campuses, you know, like some colleges, they are the only thing that is that town for the most part. Even there's some big campuses where that campus is the – it is the heart and soul of that whole town. And when you don't have kids on campus, it can seem like a ghost town. Right. And – if you don't experience it with people running around, you just don't get a true feel for it. Agreed. Anything else that we want to cover today, Coach? I do not think so. I think that we nailed this one. Hopefully, hopefully everyone listening liked it. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully the Hippograde is is happy. Um, for all of you who are listening, if you have anything you would like us to cover, Instagram, Twitter, direct message, whatever, hit us up. We will absolutely push that to the front of the line. We want to make sure that we're answering questions, not just talking about things that we think are valid, but you know, we want to make sure that we're touching on things that are important to people who are going through this process. So 
uh, we encourage you to do what the hit brigade did. Um, it was actually kind of cool to see that come through. Um, so thank you everybody for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, what do they, what do they need to do? Keith? Smash it, smash, smash the, it. smash the, smash the like button, smash the like slash smash the subscribe, uh, Twitter and Instagram at EMD baseball, uh, follow us there for some recruiting advice, track some of the players that we're working with. Hopefully you can learn some stuff about what we do. Uh, if you want to know more about what me and Keith do at EMD baseball, go to emdbaseball.com. Uh, we are happy to help. We look forward to helping more families and players navigate this process. But until we meet again, adios. Adios.